Davina. It's so good to see you. I'm really, really excited to be having this chat with you today. And um, just to introduce you to our watchers and listeners, um, I've known Davina for many years now, and Davina's a woman with um, incredible, as I see, incredible integrity and presence. She has a whole heap of amazing and varied interests. But the one thing that really caught my attention recently that prompted me to reach out and have a chat with you was seeing a post on Instagram where you had uh, captured yourself in a dive and uh, you were doing some deep diving and we're going to ask more about that in a moment, but it was your comments about your experience of the breath that really um, caught my attention because as a breathwork facilitator and teacher, of course, whenever I see that, I'm like, Ooh, what was going on there? What's this like? And because it was you, that double connection just really amplified my interest. So that's what I would love to ask you about today with, um, a view to discovering more about your experience when you went for this dive. So, is there anything in particular that you would like to start off with around, or basically what motivated you to yeah, that, that's a good question to do a deep dive? Yeah, that is a good question in itself, Steph, and it's a delight to um, see you and be on this uh, show with you. So thank you. Um, it was an interesting thing. It was my friend, Nikki Natarajan, who I went with. It was her 50th birthday. And at the beginning of her 50th birthday year, she'd had this thing that she wanted to do an event with each of her girlfriends throughout the year have a 50th year. So I'd been trying to organize something with her all year. We were going to go for a lunch and a special restaurant, all these kind of things. And then bizarrely, she got the opportunity as a journalist to write this deep diving retreat up. And she just, I was the only person she privately messaged. And as she admitted to me, she said, I honestly thought it was minus a thousand that you would ever say yes. But she said, for some reason, I sent it to you, even though I posted it. And I got it. And there was something about it. And I just said, I'm going to do that, even though it's like facing my worst fears. And I think that was what prompted me. But what was really lovely synchronistically is that the day we left was the very, very last day of her 50th year. And the day we arrived was her 51st birthday. So it was beautifully coordinated by spirit in that way. And I've always had a fear of drowning. Uh, ever since I was a little girl, I remember we used to live in Suffolk and they on the floodplains. And when I used to walk into town, which is maybe two, three miles away, there was three bridges. And literally, because it was it's marshland, it's effectively fenland, so it's below the water table, it would be like a sea. And then you'd get to these roaring rivers that are going under the bridges. And as a child, I was absolutely petrified. I would have to wait until all the cars and lorries had gone over I could never cross the bridge at the same time as a car and a lorry because I was absolutely convinced that their weight would cause the bridge to collapse and I'd be drowned so I had this huge fear my ex-husband used to love scuba diving I can't imagine anything worse it was like the thought of it like so it's like yes darling you go off and do that I'm going to sit here and read a nice book thank you on my sun lounger on terra firma I like terra firma so this was a real facing of fears. Now, I'm moving my entire life to Peru next year, and that's a huge, enormous fear following spirit. Um, I've always been a mountain shaman, never really a jungle shaman. So, the jungle, of course, is saying, Well, we've got something to say about that. I think you need to come and visit us. So, now I'm fully embracing that. So, partly, 
I suppose. <clears throat> yes, it was celebration of my friend, but partly the reason of saying yes was to almost preempt and face some fears before I go and face my biggest fear to go and be with the creepy coolies, you know, if you stay still too long, they eat you, um, kind of fear. <laughs> so it was that, but it was a very different experience in reality to anything I could have imagined of what would come up. So I'm very, I can swim, but I'm uncomfortable in deep water. I don't like being out of my depth. Um, I'm very uh, unsure of myself in the sea. I will, you know, stay where I can touch the ground if preferably. So what was beautiful about this? Free diving immediately attracted me because there's no kind of claustrophobic feeling of having to change your snorkel and mask and everything like that underwater. I like the idea of no tank, of just being with the ocean. That really appealed to me. So already it was a big challenge just saying yes. But it was a it was a clear body. I'm doing everything at the moment, Steph, by body dousing. <laughs> this is my this is my new go to. Don't think, use your body. Your body you knows mentioned best. that. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. It's actually much better for me um, than pendulum dowsing because you can override the pendulum, I think. But what I've discovered is I can't actually override my body's response. So even when my mind is saying yes to something, my body will still dows no yeah. super interesting yeah as yeah, a really worker, i really really want to train people to listen and a breath worker really yeah. want to train people to listen to their bodies yeah mm. so what was fascinating in terms of the theory of what i discovered originally about this process is and the woman that trained us it was very intense there was two trainers and two of us so it was really one-to-one um, and it needed to be that in order to be able to feel safe enough, I think, especially for me. Uh, she's a Kundalini yoga student and a freediving world champion. And she did it through meditation, breath work and yoga. Wow. That's, she, like, What's her name? Uh, Sarah Campbell. S-A-R-A Campbell. Um, world record, four world, I think she's four world record holding. Uh, wow. For freediving. And she did it in like nine months naught to the hero you know zero to hero and she basically everyone has wanted to know her techniques because of how she did that because they're all the most people with free diving it's about getting fit it's about building your cardiovascular um supremacy etc etc but she's taken a completely different approach and it's all through meditation and breath wonderful and yeah. and she's gone further um yeah. it, oh, it's unofficially she's the deepest woman to have done a free dive 104 meters on one breath i mean it's wow yeah especially when you think and of course it's really a funny because i said to her but how do you know when to turn around and come back that you're not going to run out of breath oh exactly and of course you don't that's the last question you ask it's like your body knows but there's such a trust level that you have to build to get to there. So her first theory lesson was explaining to us that, of course, we've all spent nine months in the amniotic fluid, which is very similar to the ocean, that salty liquid. And we, if you look at certain um, evolutionary theories, we come from the sea, we come from the ocean. Mm. So deep in our human limbic brain, in our psyche, we, un we have what's called the mammalian dive response. It's something our body knows, but has lost the wisdom of. So what happens is we have all these nerves in the face. Uh, so even wearing an eye mask for diving stops that process. 
happening too much. But by immersing our face in water, we start to activate these nerve endings and we start to remember our dive response, our natural ability to be in the water purely like in that amniotic fluid. Can I but, make a quick interjection yeah, there? I've got a question. Uh, I want to come back to that. But in terms of training one's breath to be able to have breath retention and practice more, could somebody do that just over their sink, immersing their face in a bowl of water and then practicing how long they can hold their breath for without actually going into the sea? Does it still yeah, work? I, it's, it's certainly getting your face in the water. So yes, one, because it goes off. So like you could, like the more you do it, like I noticed a big difference over the four days of diving that we did, that I, it was becoming easier and easier because my face was being immersed in the sea so often. Mm. And of course it goes off when you stop doing that. So yeah, if you wanted to continue the practice, it would be good to add some salt to the water. Ah, something great. about the the salty content somehow that obviously increases that mammalian response that's what we understand it's salt water both yeah. in the amniotic fluid and in the sea yeah and i asked that question because some of our watchers will not be contemplating free diving and deep diving but may well want to experiment and explore the breath and where that can take them so thank you that's great yeah, great no, tip so one of her theories is about because obviously our urge to breathe is very strong now from her perspective that comes from the ego it's the ego wanting to survive it's the ego saying breathe 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 you're gonna die you're gonna die and believe me it's quite urgent i mean anyone that's <laughs> held their breath for a few seconds it's like oh my god oh my god i can't do that i'm gonna have to breathe so it's a huge response to have to override and what her technique of teaching and this was where it's a really fascinating kind of coaching process because she sees the ocean as the metaphor of the self it's that reflective water it's our emotional body and it's like to as these various physiological responses come up as you hold the breath underwater of noticing what your mind is telling you about it becoming the observer becoming the witness of that ego and what it's saying you're going to die you're not going to survive you've got to breathe now and um, this is what you referred to as the red flags is it in your yeah, post? or the false flags the false flags. false flags so this false flag thing is what happens when we first begin and honestly we did a breath hold in the classroom and i think i probably did about 45 seconds just yeah. a straight off breath hold not really we didn't do much prep for that it's just what you can do that's your kind of baseline yeah and when we first and so what happens when you first go um hold your breath you're actually full of oxygen you're kind of that, but your CO, your oxygen starts to go down and your CO2 levels start to rise. Mm. But you have plenty of oxygen. We cellularly breathe without having to breathe through our lungs and nose. So this time you're saturated in oxygen. It takes ages for that oxygen to disappear. But your mind doesn't know that. So your brain kicks in and goes, you need to breathe, you need to breathe. So it becomes really, and you have to override that and just go, no, relax. So the trick, if you like, <laughs> is as the body is panicking and wanting to breathe that you just keep letting go into that just keep learning to relax into it to really relax into the breath or not breath <laughs> like the relaxing yeah. space of that breath the next thing so that's the first false flag is just the co2 oxygen levels and your body, ego body mind response saying breathe 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 then what happens is the diaphragm starts to contract so it feels horribly uncomfortable 
and it gets so it starts to pulse a little bit because it's wanting you to breathe yeah yeah and then you can sometimes get a swallow response and of course if you're holding your breath underwater you can't swallow because that causes mm. all sorts of other problems <laughs> so but you get this response so, and you can if you're going down at depth you obviously need to equalize your ears those all of those kind of reaction so it is uncomfortable it's not an easy experience uh in order to be able i mean i don't think i really went that far because of what else came up for me during the yeah. but that's the kind of overall process so my experience of first going into the ocean and we were in the shallows you know we're in standing water depth um so it's safe you're in a wetsuit and they're very present with you being held so I'd been able to hold my breath for 40 seconds easily outside. As soon as I put my face in, and literally we were lying on the surface, relaxing, really just being buoyant and realizing that you're not going to sink. You're in a wetsuit. They give you a lot of extra buoyancy. The Red Sea is particularly buoyant anyway. has a lot of salt in. And all you're doing is flipping over on the surface and just putting your face in so you can't breathe. That's the first form of breath hold. And what was extraordinary from what came up for me is this just immediate there wasn't a story running in my mind my ego didn't even have time to get engaged to be honest <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long enough I was only in there for a few seconds and this immense pressure came across my chest right it's like a brick it was really physical yeah and my mind was going you're perfectly safe you've got tons of oxygen you know you're okay all of that stuff that we've been taught uh, but this pressure just built and i could really not hold it for very long um maybe 20 30 seconds max and i had to come back and it felt very physical not mental so cut a long story short we went out to much deeper water that day and then i got very very uncomfortable um i was way out my depth I was do, you mean, do you mean physically or emotionally? Yeah, yeah, we were, no, both. Because oh, both. I was out, yeah, because there's the metaphor of the ocean. I was way yeah. out of my death physically. Couldn't, they took us out. Um, oh, you've got a buoy and a rope. And what you're learning to do is turn upside down and follow the rope down. And right. we were learning to equalize the years. Um, I wasn't comfortable. You know, it was too fast for me, basically, with the process I was going through. I got very cold. I didn't know because this was the first day. I didn't really know how to get my needs met. Yeah. But I trust the, you know, what it brought up. So by the time anyone asked me how I was, I was miserable, done too much. Really was like, I really don't like this. I want to go home now, please. <laughs> Being really pathetic. Anyway, went back, got out and just burst into tears. And mm. I was like sobbing. And it was really interesting because I took my wetsuit off. I broke the necklace that my mother had given me as a present. And I couldn't even tell you, Steph, what I was crying about. Yeah. And this massive emotion. I was just, it really was a sort of like, you know, little child going, oh, I don't feel very good. I feel sorry for myself. It was that kind of sobbing. <laughs> and when I reflected on it, though, I realized that what this was, because the grief points sit here in the body. Yeah. Um, I work with these with Cambo quite a lot. And I thought, this is grief. And I've had a couple of psychics tell me before that mm, you see you're carrying a lot of grief. And I've, I've searched for that, you know, worked with various techniques and really looked for that and it's not come up, not really found it. But then I got to thinking about the nine months I spent in my mother's womb. And that's when the real revelations came because my mom was very young. She was only just 18. She didn't know she was pregnant until very late on. Um, she was very naive. She'd had sex once. Hello. <laughs> Love to be here. Um, and she lost the man, i.e. my father, 
because he was she didn't know this at the time but he was already married with two kids and she suddenly discovered that so she never told him she was pregnant so she lost the man that she only loved uh, has only ever loved she was completely in love with him she brought shame on her family i was meant to be going away to be adopted i was born in a home for working mothers and then she ran away from there and kept me so if you think about all the fear yeah and grief that she must have held in that moment that obviously in utero i absorbed yeah without even yeah. knowing and this is i you know i'm sure as a breath worker you obviously do a lot of this with people and this is part of what comes up this was just my route to it and yeah. it was really fast and it brought that up and it was it was having those realizations the next day it was amazing. I turned over. There was no, there was no pressure on the chest. Just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Just that released it. And then I, we went out to deep water again that day and it was, I was kind of left to my own devices because I, I think they didn't quite know what to do with me. Right. Like I was like, oh, just don't, don't poke her too much. You might <laughs> have a process again. So I kind of took, so I was just practicing on my own, just holding onto the boy, turning over and it was bliss. Because suddenly that mammalian dive response was kicking in and I was not being pressurized and I was just playing with, can I hold my breath? And I could hold my breath what seemingly felt like ages and it was just heavenly, actually feeling really happy, just on the surface, but just in that process of the amniotic fluid. So it was fascinating. And do you know how long you were holding your breath for? When Eventually, you but on the last day I did like a proper on the rope going down, equalizing the ears. I mean, we're talking, you know, not very like two, three meters, probably max. So it wasn't anything, I won't be breaking any world records anytime <laughs> soon. But it wasn't that I got enormous amounts from the process without needing to become attached to, oh, I'm not doing this right. I haven't really learned anything. I haven't dived deep enough, etc. I got to nearly two minutes, just under two minutes. So yeah. a big significant, I mean, it's only four days. Yeah. And we did a lot of theory in the morning. So, and I felt another couple of days, if we'd stayed, I'd have, I would have increased quite exponentially. Yeah. 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 And you said that the, the people kind of left you to your own devices. And what struck me about that sentence was, um, do you think that, that for people who train other people in that kind of work, it's unusual for them to witness people going into process with it. Because for me as a breath worker, it's very commonplace that when we start connecting with the breath and the, the libraries in our bodies of our experiences, that these things come up. But obviously yes. they're doing something that's practical. It's about diving. It's about training your body. So were they surprised by that response, I, do you think? Yes, they were. Um, and I know some of the feedback was you know thank you for your courage for turning up we can't even believe why you'd want to come and do something like this they really kind of got that but but it's actually shifted their business oh really because they are going to move much more into helping people really face their fears of water because i have a fear of water a fear of drowning because of the grief and obviously what i experienced in the womb that's amazing mm. so they're they're shifting away from just training divers to increase their breath hold because that's really what their business is if you like a lot of free divers go to them because and to, for coaching because they have a totally different approach to the traditional yeah. approach but now having experience working with me it's like oh actually this is something we could really help people with on a different level that's because it, incredible because the ocean is such a metaphor when yeah. you're in that particularly without all the tanks and all the snorkel equipment because it's, we're in the Red Sea. It was very busy. It's a bit like 
Benidorm on, 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 on the Egyptian coast to a degree. It's not exactly quiet and peaceful. But as soon as you put your head in the water, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only once very- done snorkeling and it is something very magical, mystical about it, you know, and that was near the surface. And But just kind of having that reverse perspective. And, you know, I know that you're somebody who's very connected to the elements through your shamanic work. And, you know, water is such a powerful element and representation of emotions and that inner world. So commonly in my breathwork practice, people do go to those places of prenatal and pre-birth um, experience of being in the womb. And of course, the mind then wants to rubbish that and say that we've exactly. made it up and wants to say that, well, you're probably just being fanciful because we can't conceive in that rational mind of having an awareness that comes from pure sensory experience. Yeah. And so immersing yourself in that brings it back. And it's interesting because in my astrological chart, I have no water. It's, oh, my, really? it's my kind of missing element. So I have to consciously work on that. Yeah, I'm very earthed. Right. Very grounded, but not like quite stuck in that sense. So yeah. it takes, what, you know, so again, that, that it's not my natural element to go to. I have to work to go towards water. Yeah. It's, it's where the balance needs to come in. And, and have you found since you got back and since you had that experience, either any desire to repeat it or any kind of deepened interest in the breath or was it just an experience that you've had and then you park that up over there somewhere? No, I think it's, I think it's released something quite genuinely. I feel I've had different responses to things. Um, I'd been waking up with quite strong anxiety because of this big major move thinking, gosh, you know, am I really going to do this or am I just being nuts? <laughs> you know, like one has to question one's sanity every now and again. It's a good thing to do. Um, so I've been waking up with that and all of that went. So I've been really quite noticeably more peaceful inside yeah. as a result of doing it. I feel like it was a big, even though I took baby steps, really, um, I felt like it was a huge achievement for me personally. Yeah. Interestingly enough, in this process of, right, I'm going to do all this work to face my fears before I go to Peru, I ended up doing a very intense womb healing session just shortly after that, which, again, felt related and another level of that clearing. Right. And, yes, I'm aware of my breath. You know, I, I do breath work consciously. Uh, sh- you know, working with shamanism, you have to, really. It's part yeah. of that practice. Yeah. I'm very conscious of my breath. But what I'm more interested in is playing with breath hold just generally yeah so doing more breath i mean i'm much more conscious of i suppose i've always been aware of conscious breath so like i'll pause regularly throughout the day and just take a breath Mm. consciously and maybe breathe in something good exhale what i don't need anymore something like that but i've been more conscious of retention of the breath Mm. and doing more practices of practicing that retention uh there's a in the particular Andean tradition that I work with, there's a 20-20-20 breath that Ooh. allows us, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite tough to hold it for 20, 20 and 20. So literally one breath a minute. Okay. Breath, like, or one yeah. complete breath One cycle. cycle. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. One breath yeah. cycle per minute, which is so pretty slow. 20 in, 20 hold, 20 out. Yeah. One minute. Okay, yeah. interesting. So, so, and it's it's meant to um, help you reach the kanchai, the higher light energies, the the more spiritual sort of realms. But it's quite tough to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you know you're a breath worker and you're doing it regularly. So, I'm noticing that it's much easier for me to achieve that having done the dive response. 
Oh, that's really interesting. And I actually don't think being a breath worker and doing it regularly, well, yes, we, we can certainly develop practice, but I know, for example, Sarah, who you know, my friend, yeah. she can hold her breath for phenomenal amounts of time. And she just seems to have this ability. And at the Wim Hof Expo, there was a 70-year-old woman who, who out breath retained everybody in the <laughs> yeah. room you know See, and, and I run out at 45 seconds like you generally yeah. and I'm yeah. working on practicing it and you're about Even to you, say have you done, yeah no because I wanted to bring up Wim Hof I yeah. love Wim Hof yeah yeah um, I find him fascinating and I've done a lot of his now his basic breath technique I've been working with anyway but they don't use I was interested in whether she would use that because on the dive um, thing because obviously working with him I can hold my breath for infinitely longer doing his exercises yeah. and I really love the fact that it's so fast you can show somebody it's brilliant to change someone's mindset yeah it's like right you didn't just go you know like because if you get someone to do press-ups on a breath hold with him they can do far more than they do it cold yeah and they've done it in it's like you didn't go to the gym and get that much fitter in the last 10 minutes so <laughs> what's the shift there's how you can change your mind mm -hmm. great metaphor i love his process mm. but i was interested they don't do anything like that they don't really use particular techniques other than this observation of the mind and just working to let go of you know to override your body's panic response really yeah it's it's so interesting isn't it because there's so many different approaches to kind of like because we do have to become the witness i believe of yes. our process of our mind the chatter Definitely. you know that that's like key into presence and presence is key and at the same time what i love about wim hof personally is that he reaches a lot of people that normally maybe all the gym bunnies and all the macho men that kind of want to just get fit and get that stamina but at the same time, what he teaches is deep listening to the body. And, you know, when Sarah and I were there seeing him, we were just like, wow, he's teaching what we teach, you know. Exactly. And I, I went thinking, oh, yeah, he's just going to be very yang. It's all about pushing and overriding. And it so wasn't. And the results that he gets are really interesting. So, yeah, they are. again, although I've been working with conscious connective breath, I'm starting to now really explore combining breath retention with that practice. Mm -hmm. So my personal practice is evolving as a result of listening to people like you and your experience and noticing and observing my own experiences. So, you know, all of this is really juicy. And I think Wim Hof has also shifted because he, like you, like Sarah Campbell, through working with me everybody is realizing like oh wow working the breath is not just a physical experience it's not just going to make you fitter etc etc it is it does bring up these old birthing stuck emotions in the body absolutely it does allow it to come to the, so, so even he i think has changed his way of working yeah. because he's experienced that working through people yeah i still I have my cold shower every day thanks good. to him oh good for you i can't <laughs> quite I, i'm intermittent like my fasting i'm intermittent with my yeah. showers but you know he came to the breath through grief um so it's interesting oh, that, that yeah, that's full right. circle. Yes. yeah after yes, his wife's death yeah of course I've so it comes that. full circle and and you know people get driven and sometimes they get driven by things that they don't even really kind of fully they're not fully cognizant of what it is that's driving them but they're following that call and they're following that pull and then it leads them into something incredible which is how i found the breath really as well 
But anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. And <laughs> what I'd really love to give you the chance to just share, because um, those of you, the people who are watching who don't know you won't know that you're about to pack up all of your work and go off yeah. to Peru into the jungle. As you mentioned at the beginning of the call, would you like to share anything about what you're doing and what you've got on and yeah. how people can connect with you? Thank you, Steph. That would be lovely. Um, yes, this is a massive life shift and divestment of 35 years of teaching workshops being a hay house author all of that just all on the bonfire last week pretty much and <laughs> literally embarking on an adventure i mean spirit and it is really spirit led this spirit simply said you need to come here and broadcast from here how i'm going to do that with no electricity no wi-fi deep in the rainforest in the eastern part of peru i have absolutely no idea but i'm trusting that spirit's going to show up with something when i get there so i'm in that process of letting go so um we will be crowdfunding we need to build a eco sustainable village there and a temple um We've secured 162 acres of rainforest at the moment, both primary and secondary. It's really magical. It's a very special place. Yeah. It's a place where I've been shown and get that it's, it, Sipapu means place of emergence and return, but it's like the umbilical cord of the planet. It's yeah. got that, and funnily enough, talking about birth and this diving experience, it's all kind of somehow related. That's the experience I get. So what happens is when people come there, it's like anything out of love. Anything that, because if you think about it, the umbilical cord is like a, a tunnel of love, if you like. It's, it's the love that gives rise to life. Mm. And in that process, anything out of love is going to come up. So it's quite intense for people, but extraordinary transformative so we are moving kind of uh modus operandus we will be running retreats anyone into permaculture architects engineers anyone that's good with bricks laying building in the jungle please welcome 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 so you can contact me probably easiest through my own website uh, yeah. which is davina or email davina at davinamikhail.com or just go and visit davinamikhail.com or uh other joint website that does the retreats is Aini, A Y N I dot foundation. Okay, and I'm going to drop those links um, below this video for people so that they can follow up and they can keep an eye on your crowdfunder. Um, mm. And it sounds incredible, you know, and I feel like there's a real emergence at the moment yes, of people yes. doing really, really conscious business and consciously setting things up and, and wanting to call in that change. And, you know, for me, obviously using the breath because that is our representation of our life force, our mortality and everything, you know, from that first inhale when we're born to the last letting go when we die, what are we going to do with all the breaths in between? So wonderful to hear that you are following your purpose and following that calling. I salute your courage. And, you. you know, my prayer is that, that I will be able to stay in that responsive place for the rest of my days, yeah. however many. And, and, and my prayer is I won't be back in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well if you are we'll yeah, and if i am you being back yeah. yeah anyway thank you so much thank you it's been for a pleasure time. steph thank you for inviting me yeah super interesting to hear your story and i'll keep an eye out very closely on what you're doing thank you i'll speak to you soon bye bye bye